Hello and welcome to a new episode of Coffee with a Shot of Cynicism. Gilmore Rose is the coffee and we're the shot of cynicism. I'm Jeffrey. I'm Eleni. And this week we are discussing episode 20 of season five, entitled How Many Crow Pogs to Cape Cod. And I'm actually meant to research crow pog before this episode and I didn't. But I I'm did. assuming I'm assuming it's a real thing. Um, so the first couple of hits that I found were mm-hmm. literally just referencing the show. Right. So I was like, oh, did they make this shit up? But it seems too elaborate to be made up. And they did. Yeah, and I feel like there's only so many things Amy Sherman Powell, you know, can pull out of her ass. So That's it. so <laughs> um but yeah, a lot of them have to do with the episode itself. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure like the the hits on Google, but I'm sure yeah. like it's some obscure Yale thing. And that's the thing too. Like if there's going to be some kind of niche uh, Yale lingo, Gilmore Girls wasn't going to track it down. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Um, yeah. So how many crow pogs? That's a terrible last name, by the way. It's also not a great episode title, but I mean, it is and it isn't. I don't know. Crow pogs is an ugly they, word. Yeah. They kind of do the thing that I do where they like mishmash everything they're talking about to try and make a yeah. <laughs> Like sometimes when I run out of inspiration and I do that. Um, and it's weird how to me, remember last episode we were talking about how I think like this is kind of when the show slowly starts to die create creatively. Mm-hmm. To me, like that's the episode title also kind of reflects that. And I find that the end of this episode is very choppy. We'll leave that into, until we discuss the end of the episode. But I don't know. I think... I'm not going to say like the show was dead in terms of there was no, obviously there was still stories left to tell, but I think there was just like a decline in quality around this time that kind of never really, they never really recovered from. Well, I think this episode much more than the last one for me um, didn't have the, for lack of a better term, spark. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, like the quick witted humor and like, you know the vague references that you have to look up you know all the things that like in seasons one two and three and even to some extent four um that you liked about it you know like even filler episodes in season four and three at least were good because you'd learn something new for example right um i think what's happening in these last couple of episodes before the finale because we're after this episode there's only two episodes left Mm -hmm. um I think what's happening is they're trying very much to set up season six. Yes. Um, And also like there's too much plot. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there's a lot of filler episodes and we're like, there's no plot. What are you doing? And now with these last few bits, I feel like it's the opposite. They're trying to cram way too much in. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess maybe, like I said, to set up season six or I don't know if they felt like they wasted some. I don't know what it is, but I feel like there's too much going on in these these couple of episodes. So, yeah, and I liked what you said during our last episode about how season six is very inward oriented in terms yeah. of it. So, so there's a lot of, um, you know, inner workings of the characters going on, and that's um, why some people dislike season six. Um, and I think that also, like, not to say that that's why season six has its issues, but um, I think it kind of creates, created a different aura for the show because 
like Gilmore Rose is not really an inward type of show in that there's quick witted like in order to have quick witted dialogue and you know funny jokes and also like dramatic family dramatics and the whole the whole nine yards like you can't really have a show with a lot of like internal monologues you know so yeah um I think like you know they it was by the time they're you're in season six and you have to you have to try kind of try and keep things interesting so I, I don't really fault them for trying it that way but I can definitely say as a first time when I was a first time viewer season six was not my favorite um so we'll get what well, we'll see what happens when we get there yeah um <laughs> yeah I will say that you're right I think for a show like Gilmore Girls that internal stuff doesn't work very well hmm. because everything's always been so out in the open yeah um and you know I think as writers as creators maybe you try something new you try to like manifest that internal struggle in different ways. And yeah. sometimes it worked in season six and sometimes it didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's instances where it worked and we'll get there and we'll talk about it. I think other times it was a flop. Um, but, you know, I think, I think it's kind of inevitable when you've been on the air for six years. Yeah, exactly. And especially, especially like for a family drama, you ever notice that, a lot of family dramas like don't really run past five, six seasons. And it's like, I think either the network or the writers or both kind of reach a conclusion where it's like, we've told all the stories we can, everyone really loves you, but the, you know, the creative juice is gone because there's only so many stories you can tell. I'm thinking of like parenthood or brothers and sisters or even like party of five. They all kind of like the story has to end. I think in order to like satisfy longtime viewers who like fall in love with the family on the drama, you 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 want some kind of resolution. You don't want it to be canceled on, on an unresolved cliffhanger. That being yeah, said, yeah. I think season seven of Gilmore Girls kind of turns that narrative on its head, but we'll, we'll yeah. leave that there. <laughs> and to be fair, like I think the reason a lot of these shows end like that is because, and this is my opinion, I rather they end early and in a satisfying way. Yeah than you or semi-satisfying with me than you trying all these like ridiculous plots like that keep getting more and more like incredulous to make us stay kind of thing you know that's such a I don't I don't want to say that's gone out of style because you know network tv does still exist shocker yeah um but I think in terms of the popularity of streaming era shows that you know exist only on streaming platforms that's kind of less of a concept in you know american television like uh, any television in this day and age because you don't you know you're not writing it on a week-to-week basis you produce the season all at once and yeah then it's up to whoever how they want to release it if it's all at once or week by week but it's not produced like oh we, we this episode aired that night and then oh the ratings tanked because something bad happened or that was a shitty episode or whatever it was but that's not that's not as much of a thing in streaming so it feels like an archaic concept almost now yeah but yeah I think of shows that like went off the rails because they tried they tried to like reel us back in in the weirdest ways and giving the weirdest plot points and you're just like no you know what the official term for that is right yes jumping the shark yeah Fonzie yeah, which is uh, we won't get we won't get into that. You can Google it; it's a whole thing. Yeah, uh, but I I find it interesting actually that a lot of shows, like you said, 
that they they decide to like go on a high note like okay we're we're, we're at the top of our game you know we but we want to end it on our terms so we're going to choose it to end it here i find a lot of that the time that, that shows do that it's around seven seasons like i know um the good wife did that like the good wife chose to end after season seven and everyone was like but why it's so good you can do you can go longer and they were like no we yeah, want but to i respect it. that more because you know your limits right yeah exactly and then i'm like it's funny i just finished a book all about the mary tyler moore show and there was a lot of like stuff going on in mid-70s tv land where you know the the industry was going in a different direction and they, and they didn't want uh, the Mary Tyler Moore show to get swept up and become something that it wasn't. So they were like, you know what, we're going to end it after after season seven. That's it. We're going to go out on a we're, we're going to go out on a high note. Um, you know, I think like you know six seven seasons is kind of enough sometimes to tell a full story. Then other times you take it too far, and that's how you end up with Grey's Anatomy. So oh, Lord, but yeah, I I respect writers or creators or storytellers that know when to end it. Mm-hmm. Um. Like I resent, I end up resenting the show less. Yes, exactly. You know, and when I look back and watch them again, I'm like, yeah, you ended it properly. You know, like I think Parenthood is a really good example of that. Yeah. Um, But Parenthood's hand was kind of forced with all that. But yeah, the, net- the network had zero faith in that show. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, so in a way, I kind of like that they forced their hand a bit because they forced them to really think about what they wanted to do with their last episodes. Mm-hmm. And they did justice by it, in my opinion. But, you know, yeah. it's so easy to go off the rails. And we're going to have so many examples to talk about when we inevitably get to season seven. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, let's jump into this episode. Okay, yeah, where were we? <laughs> we were at this episode. Okay. Um, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had a robot vacuum? I have not. Okay, me neither. But I, I do remember, like in the mid two thousands, obviously when the, when this episode would have aired, that they were very popular. And one of my aunts had one, and it was just like, oh my god, it cleans your house even when you're not home. And my mom was like not interested in, in it at all because, like at th- at that time, we had a dog who sh- you know would shed a lot, so that robot would get so clogged with dog hair in five minutes, it was not worth the the the, the purchase. <laughs> yeah, I mean. My thing with this is like they're so expensive, right? So Rory's yeah. bitching that she has so no money. Who the fuck bought her a, a Roomba? Mm, I was gonna say maybe it's Paris's, but I don't know if Paris oh, would have. Would... I don't know. I don't know. But um, yeah, so they're both watching their robot vacuums just go. I will say it, it is hypnotic. My brother has one. Yeah. Um, he got it as a gift, and it's and the new ones, you know, you can program them with your phone really that's a, that's a bit much <laughs> i think so my brother doesn't use that feature but he's like yeah you can download the app and like set zones and i'm like okay that's a little much but anyways yeah just like vacuum your house please yeah don't... Well, that's what i do uh some of you have too much money is what i'm saying yeah exactly uh just vacuum your goddamn <laughs> and i find this, this is like simultaneously like a you know, a, a good, I'm not gonna say a good, but a, a fine, fair open, a fair open, a fine, cold open, but it's also like a weak, cold open. It's just like, let's throw, let's, let's throw something random in there. It doesn't it just kind of sits, I think. Well, I think compared to what the rest of the episode is, mm-hmm. I kind of like the fact that nothing happens in the cold open, nothing of substance, because then they hit us with so much information later on. 
Yeah, and I think it was meant to be out of touch with the rest of the episode, so... Yeah, yeah. like, if you think about it, this episode has Luke talking to Taylor. Yeah. Right, about the house. Um, Lorelai talking to her dad about the interview and, like, this Mike, Mike... What is it? Mike Armstrong guy? Yeah. Who, like, might want to buy the inn. Uh, you have Logan and Rory talking about his dad and then the internship and then you have the dinner and then you have the scene at the end where they randomly make Suki appear like what's going on yeah it's a bit pick a, a lane bit, yeah it's it's very discombobulated like, pick a struggle pick a lane <laughs> I would have rather that like see Rory I don't know what I would have rather seen to be honest with you I think because I was still young at that time and I would have rather seen Rory a little bit more in her internship. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what speaks to most teenagers and 20 year olds now struggling and having imposter syndrome at your job. Right. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I would have wanted an extended version of that dinner because I hated the way the grandparents treated Lorelai. Yes. But I, I have, a lot, I I have he, a lot of feelings about all of this. Yeah, but I think they, I, I really think they should have just stuck with like one or two things. They just tried too much this episode. Yeah, it's it's like they're trying to foreshadow and set up season six, but they're also there's like there's there's too much going on. Like pick yeah. exactly like pick a struggle. <laughs> Choose your fighter. No, okay, but yeah, yeah. So I was just like I didn't know where to focus this episode, and I feel like that's what really took me out of it too. Honestly, until you said Luke talking to Taylor, I completely forgot it was even in the right? episode. Because I, I was focusing more on all the Gilmore drama. I'm like, I don't give a fuck about Luke in the house and your stupid, ill-fated attempt to buy a dream house that Lorelai expressed no interest in, really. And it's also so, so dark. It's also not really a nice house. Like, I'm thinking of the, I'm thinking of, I don't know which episode, the one, the one, I'm guessing soon, where, uh, Lorelai is admiring it from outside I think with Suki possibly and they're like talking about the house and it's not exactly nice it's big it's old it's a little too fancy for my taste so I don't know no thank you I mean I feel like (laughs) that whole scene was just so unnecessary Mm -hmm. um I don't know if I was in like a bit of a Rory an anti-Rory mood. I'm gonna hate like I'm gonna hate Rory in this episode mood as I was watching it. But mm. I have a lot of feelings and they're all kind of negative towards Rory in this episode. Okay, so hit me with the first one. <laughs> um yeah, I have like a bunch of points in my notes all about mm. Rory being a fucking idiot, I guess. I don't know. Start reading them. The, the bottom one is she's like a fucking baby bird. <laughs> Um, but the first one is that dress does not look newspapery. That's not the plaid like, one not, that she pulls out. Yeah, that is not a, like that looks like something you would have worn out to dinner in two thousand and five, not to work. I don't know. That's just so not at all. I these past couple of episodes, I've had such a hard time with the fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Even in this episode, the one redeeming fashion moment, in my opinion, is Lorelai's like black outfit at the dinner party. Yeah, that's really nice. Because last episode, I don't know if we talked about it. I really don't remember. But she was wearing the most hideous fucking shirt at the inn. Do you remember that I mean, shirt? The yeah. geometric shapes? Yes. There's did we so, talk like, about it? I don't think we did. But there's so many, like, 
to talk about the questionable fashion choices on this show is a whole other podcast. Yeah, but I feel like the second half of season five is where it really, really went downhill for me. Yeah, I agree. Like, sometimes in the earlier seasons, you're like, oh my god, what the fuck are they wearing? But it's because it's the times. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes in season five, and sometimes even in season six, but less so. But I know for me in season five, sometimes I have a very hard time wrapping my head around what the costume people were thinking because even for the times it seems ridiculous to me here's what they were thinking they weren't thinking (laughs) well yeah because even though the sweater that logan's wearing to pick her up in like with those little geometric shapes on the side i'm like what is this bad bad is what it is (laughs) bad all around yes like you need a drag queen on set because (laughs) zeros zeros across the board (laughs) (laughs) essentially but anyways, yeah. Um, so the fashion was no bueno in this episode either, except for yeah, her dress does not look newspapery. Even the dress that she's wearing to the dinner, I find is very juvenile. Like she's wearing also a headband. Exactly. Again, they tried to make her seem younger. I don't know what they were and trying I to think, do with that. Okay, so I'm glad you brought that up because I'm thinking that was like the vibe they were going for with her character in this episode, and that's what bothers me. I don't know, but my thinking I'm was glad. my thinking was maybe they wanted to make her look in especially in this episode a little bit more preppy. Um yeah. because all throughout the dinner, Emily's trying her best, her very, very best. Number one, mm-hmm. to piss me off, which she succeeds. Number two, she's trying her best to really put down Lorelai and be like, Oh, you're not part of this world. Yeah, and I think you. Yeah, exactly. And I think they're trying to like create a divide between Lorelai and the rest of them yes so now Rory's kind of entering this world where she's dating a Huntsberger and she's like part of the elite and they're talking about tennis and internships and Martha's Vineyard and stuff and Lorelai is just sitting there and I'm like they're really dressing her like that like Mm -hmm. she's just the arm candy and like wearing a headband and her J Crew shit and like I don't know. That's the that's what I thought when I first saw the outfit because I was like, this is this doesn't even look like her. No, it doesn't. And nor does like the pantsuit combo that she ends up wearing to the inter- internship. I think that was definitely the better choice than that ugly pink checkered dress. But that's not the Rory we know fashion wise. So I think what they I don't know. I think maybe it was symbolic. Maybe they it's not that deep as we yeah. say. Um but I don't know. I, I think they were definitely going for a juvenile vibe with her character in this episode, just because just of the way that she's acting and it's kind of to, you know, drum up some sense of like, oh, that's, you know, that's our Rory. And no, no. <laughs> um, You and your nose. I think, yeah. <laughs> I think the fact, and maybe it's obviously different when you watch for analysis versus pleasure, as we say, almost every episode around these exactly. parts. It's just... Like the way that I watched this, these scenes with her and the internship versus like when I watched before bed is just worlds apart. So I think it's kind of annoying that she thinks she needs to know everything about the man she's interning for. Like, I'm not going to say it's creepy, but it's like not, it's, it's crossing a line. Like it's weird. And I think it's supposed to be comical and like, oh, that's how thorough and passionate that Rory is about things. And okay, cool. But real like real world talk for a minute like no wonder this man shit all over you in a few episodes time like hello 
too much, too far. Uh, that's how that's how I was feeling in the moment. Yeah, I think they were trying very much to like emulate old Rory. Mm-hmm. Like Rory of seasons past, who like we found it so endearing that we'd get to class an hour early and bring a book and do her research. Yeah. And I think the problem with that is that we've also grown with her. So yes. we kind of recognize that, like, like you said, too much, you know what I mean? Um and I mean, I don't know if I would say it was creepy. No. I think, but I do think like if you can Google your boss, I would. Yeah, but don't like you don't need to know everything about wine. You know Well, that's the thing. You. That's like, the part where I think like the reason I'm not mad at it is because this is how I think her anxiety starts manifesting itself. Yeah. So I think like it's the first time in her life that she's really struggling and unsure of herself. And the only mm-hmm. way she knows how to do that is to tackle it. Like she would like a research paper at school. Right. Um, yeah. And but as we know, as like you... real life doesn't mm-hmm. work that way. No. And as I'm sure you, you'll recall, like end of season five, first half of season six kind of touches a big nerve for me mm-hmm. <laughs> in terms of, like you know ro- like Rory's situation relating to like where I was at that age and it just bothers me that you know she just the way things go down just really bothers me but um in this instance I think yes it's it's how her anxiety is manifesting itself and you know we all can recognize that <laughs> any fellow mental illness sufferers in the audience will definitely know what we what we mean um but I think she like it's just it's not cute. Like, that's why I wrote my notes. I'm like I don't find it cute that Rory's trying this hard. And I didn't. I don't know if that's the intent. Like it's intended to find it cute that this is how she is. And like you said, it's like emulating old Rory of you know high school stars hollow Chilton era. But no, it's it's just doesn't it doesn't it doesn't work. And it's annoying because you know what's coming. And I'm thinking I'm thinking back to a tweet that went around. I think in 2020. Um, which was like Roy, like Roy Gilmore got constructive criticism once, and everyone, and for an, and like a half of, and for like half a season, everyone acted like she got shot. Yeah, you know, it's just it's. Uh, I have a lot of feelings. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even I will concede, like even the way she walks into the newsroom, um, mm-hmm. like so unsure of herself, and then she's like, "It's not Rory. It's not Rory." It bothers that's it. Me. And then she's like peeking over cubicles, going, "Harry." And you're like, Ugh. grow some balls. <laughs> exactly. Like, uh, you know, like, this is what bothers me is like, I, I see it, like, I see it on both sides of the, of the argument of like, you know, you're, you're that age, you use your first professional internship, like you're unsure of yourself, like totally, like, I, I would have no idea what the hell I was doing either. But like, I would also be very cognizant of myself, my actions and how I'm being perceived to an unhealthy extent in my in my scenario where I would just be trying to exude confidence while also sucking myself out like she's just it's it's not cute it's not cute <laughs> yeah I mean I wonder if we think it's not cute because we kind of see ourselves in that and don't like that part of ourselves oh absolutely that's what I mean this is like believe me believe me when I say end of season five and beginning of season six is just all of the lot a lot of the emotions I'm gonna have is because I see myself in it so yeah. just 
beware. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Rory's doing all this research on Mitchum and I think we get a little bit more insight, surprisingly, into Logan and Mitchum's relationship through this scene. Mm-hmm. Like when they're talking in the beginning. And like, I think Logan is happy for her because she's happy. Mm-hmm. But it's still his dad and he doesn't get along with his dad. So he's like, I think he's struggling because he recognizes this, recognizes that this is a really big deal. But yeah, like yeah. she's listing all her his father's accomplishments, and he's like, "Yeah, whatever." The guy's still a dick, you know. And like, even he finds it a bit weird, you know. Like he he makes some he makes a remark about uh, whether or not like Rory has a a closet full of pictures of his da- of his dad pasted all over the walls, and it's obviously a joke. But I yeah. like he, the the only thing he knows about him is he hates peas, and he gets on my back about my life. So I'm yeah. not surprised that he's kind of indifferent to the whole situation well i think like if you grow up with a googleable that's not a word but whatever roll with it <laughs> googleable father or parents mm-hmm. like you're obviously not as impressed right so rory's like oh my god he like he went to haiti he he was nominated or what is it shortlisted for the pulitzer like that's not impressive to you when you grew up like when you've seen the man in his pajamas you know what i mean or especially that he's just like in in spite of all those accomplishments, he was a dick to his family. Like, yeah, like you know he... the real him kind of thing. Yeah. So everyone everyone's able to Google his accomplishments that he ran a four minute mile and that you know at only twenty five he was I think it was Iran whatever like you know like all these amazing accomplishments where yeah you look at them on paper and you're like yeah that's amazing how did he do that? But then mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're the man's son. And you know that he's not a very nice person. Like, yeah. you don't give a shit. You know? So I think no. that's why it's hard for him at this in this case. Because he's like, yeah, my girlfriend's really impressed by my father. Because she only knows the things that she's reading. Versus mm-hmm. I know that he tells me I'm never going to live up to my potential. And that he doesn't really like me. And that he's always on my back. And, you know, shit like that. So. And, yeah. And while we're. While we're on the topic of Mitchum, actually, um, I know we touched on this last episode about the intent, the true intentions of giving Rory the internship. Um, I wanted to get your opinion on Richard referring to it as hush money. Obviously, it's not hush money because it's an unpaid internship. But like, the you know, the whole concept of the of the internship being like hush whatever <laughs> a hush internship in exchange for how he was treated at his at their house like i i you know i see where i see where laurel i was coming was coming from with that but i'm kind i kind of think i kind of have to agree she was a bit paranoid in that i don't necessarily think when you know we sit down to an, to analyze uh Michem's true intentions i i don't think it had to do with how his family treated her necessarily no i think we touched on this a little bit last week but didn't really get in depth because we were over it but Uh you know i told you that like people think he's like a a master like a a, like he just put all this together in his head and he had planned from the beginning and i'm like no i don't think it's that deep but no what i do think is like he probably said to himself like let me offer her an internship 
-hmm. like an internship is just that like it doesn't have to necessarily lead anywhere he can Mm -hmm. give them out willy-nilly and it'll be kind of an apology but not really um by the way i'm also not mad that she took the internship because i feel like in life you have to take whatever opportunities are granted to you especially if you're a woman or oh absolutely i would like part of a marginalized community like people are like oh it's a handout i don't give a fuck how do you think white men got ahead all these years exactly and i i don't know if lorelei's perspective comes more from it being a handout i think it's more like that you know the the world of her parents with where nepotism is rampant i think yeah but i think this is where lorelei is a little bit naive because even if it was hush money as they say um fine you want to buy me off by giving me a super prestigious internship great i'm gonna get ahead of you know what i mean um yeah and that's kind of what that's kind of what i meant when i said like rory is like a baby bird because (laughs) she's all i don't know if naivete is the right way to describe it but it's just like hello are you are you an an adult or are you a child and i think that's also me talking to myself at that age because you're that you know how how old is she she's 20 20 yes um so you know at that age it's like you're you're not a child anymore but you're not an adult it's it's a very awkward and very emotionally uncomfortable time at least it was for me i don't know yeah others. it's like a precarious so like, time yeah so like i totally understand why she's kind of like a baby bird but at the same time when i was 20 i could have definitely told you that i wouldn't have fallen for like a but like just kind of i wouldn't have fallen for the charade that Mitchum is kind of putting on like okay you gave me the internship but I'm not gonna like follow you around like a puppy like okay maybe she, he said like you're ready to shadow me okay I'll shadow you if that's what you, that's the task you're giving me to do but like I'm not gonna hang on your every word like oh, it's just I it's a television show I know it's fiction but <laughs> to me it's just very frustrating because like you said I don't you know we don't care if it's a handout like I'm gonna use it to my advantage I just feel yeah. like Roy is caught somewhere in between those two extremes where she's like, oh, I really respect this journalist who's giving me this chance, this new paper that he just his company just acquired. Like, you know, she wants to impress him. I totally get that because at that age, that's what you you can't deny that at that at that age you want to impress people who have power. But at the same time, I what from what we know of Rory and, and her strengths and her her strength and her confidence to me that would equate in like we said okay she uses the internship and used it to her advantage okay i'm gonna get myself to this place from here but she's so hung up on impressing mitchum huntsberger that it, it's kind of to her detriment yeah and to be fair to be fair to her mm-hmm. i think this episode was really just setting it up and like showing us how nervous she is and because by the time mm-hmm. next episode happens like she's really found her groove at the paper and she's true she's much more settled um i think personally they weren't really as much as i hate it because it's not it's not the rory that i that i know um Hmm. i think they were just trying to show a more vulnerable side of her and a more anxious side of her that a lot of people feel like their first jobs and their first um whatever opportunities in life let's say you know i i still hate how they went about it i also found it really annoying Uh, (laughs) but you know I think their 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 hearts were in the right place. Yeah, and like I said, maybe I was just in a specific mood while watching this episode. But to me, it's almost like 
to me, their their version of portraying anxious and anxiety in Rory is by writing her as childish, and that to me is a big faux pas. So yeah, but that's a separate. And, but to be fa- again, to be fair, I don't know if the childish aspect of it, like the juvenile aspect of it, was more to to benefit the Emily Gilmore world storyline or the Rory lost puppy storyline and that's why I think ultimately it comes back to there's too much going on in this episode absolutely because now you when you when you when you plant that seed it's like yeah what what was the intent of writing her that one you know so I don't that's the thing so I don't know if they were doing it because they wanted her to to show her as an anxious intern or they wanted to 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 make her Emily's puppet and now I'm just like either way I don't know and it's annoying me because there's just so much going on in this episode. Yeah, too much, too much. Too <laughs> much. Yeah. So um, there's also one other thing before I move on from Roy at the paper. Yeah. Um, something something I want to call bullshit on actually. Mm-hmm. You know how when when she first arrives and she's like awkwardly standing there and the reception is like, um, can I fucking help you with something? <laughs> I think <laughs> I know what you're gonna say, but say it. Yeah, so she so she's giving her like you know the rundown. Here's your picture ID. See so and so by the end of the day, he'll take a picture. She says, "I've never had a picture ID before." Bullshit. Bullshit. Rory. In, season four, in, the, in the beginning of season four, when you started at Yale, you took a picture ID and you didn't know you didn't know the, the picture was happening. You were talking your ear, talking to whoever about the picture, and all of a sudden it's done. And the the tour guy was even saying, "Don't." Be be uh, picky about your your ID pictures. You get what you get. So bullshit. You had a, you have a student ID with a picture on it. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> and you're gonna say that because it also bugs me. I was like, what the fuck? Yes. Of course you had an ID before you idiot. Anyways, yeah. Even then, because like you know, maybe in, maybe in this fictional world, uh, student IDs don't have I don't have uh, pictures on them. But bullshit because they actually showed that on the show. Exactly. Anyway. <laughs> um, I also don't believe that she didn't bring a pencil. No, like that's what I'm talking about. Like the the girl who was so over prepared and so over researched her new boss to the extent where she's reading books on wine and Haiti. She forgot she doesn't have a pencil. Like really, really. Yeah. I'm. I'm. That's what I'm. That's what I'm talking I'm about. Like, like it's like they forgot their own character as they were writing her. I'm personally, like, I'm personally offended by that. Yeah. Um. Okay. I don't know what you want to talk about next. Do you want to talk about? Well, the dinner is a big chunk of the episode. Um. I mean, we could touch on Luke and the house, but I don't have any notes on that because I was so preoccupied with the rest of the, uh, the going on. So. Yeah, I mean, it's in the grand scheme of things, it's nothing crazy. He's trying mm-hmm. to convince Taylor to close down the museum. Because no one's coming, and who could have foreseen these terrible events? Literally, and, and Taylor is trapped beneath a display for God knows how long because <laughs> no one and is Jebediah, there. As he calls them. <laughs> yeah, but um, I do want to talk about when they're having dinner, him and Lorelai later on, and Richard calls um, Lorelai. Um, yes. So Richard calls Lorelai to tell him to tell her, excuse me that he got a call from someone asking if he was Lorelai Gilmore's father. And long story short, apparently he hooks her up with this guy that whose company like owns boutique inns. Yeah. So 
essentially they want to offer her a job and or buy the inn. It's it's very iffy of what the the purpose of the meeting is, but I like what Luke said. It's about networking, mm-hmm. which again, by the way, take it. <laughs> I would yeah. take the opportunity, um, even if you don't want to sell your inn or don't aren't interested in the job, just take it. Fuck it. Um, uh, so Richard says he's very proud of her and you can tell that that means a lot to her. Yes. Um, I was so confused by how like Luke was, was telling her like, no, don't take the meeting. Yes. Take the meeting. (laughs) Like, yeah, I was like, what do you want? (laughs) I know. I think this is also a key, a key part of this stage of their relationship where, like Luke is kind of walking on eggshells, so to speak, where he like he 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 wants to support her in any way he can because he doesn't want to he doesn't want to screw things up again and go through that kind of heartache. But at the same time, he also still has his own thoughts and feelings. And that's also I find a big, big foreshadow for season six between the lines. So to me, going back and forth between like, oh, don't take the meeting, take the meeting. Like he he like he want he wants so desperately to hold on to her in the relationship that he kind of chokes down his own feelings and that comes to the surface later on yeah so i think his first instinct when he says don't take the meeting is because he's thinking well you just open the inn of course you don't want to sell the inn like you know and it's him giving his opinion kind of thing but then he's kind of realizing well maybe i jumped the gun you should take the meeting see what they say you know he thinks what's best for her in this scenario you know as a businesswoman and yeah I think he's 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 also a little bit sorry. He's like, yeah, yeah, take the meeting. I'm sorry, whatever, you know. Um, but yeah, I kind of agree with you. I think he's he's unsure of himself at this stage of the relationship because mm-hmm. he he had this like very in your face moment of you don't belong with her mm-hmm. um, at the wedding, you know, like Emily plotting against him. Um. So I think part of him feels very insecure. And For then, sure. sorry. For sure, I said. <laughs> oh, sorry, I didn't hear that part. Um, so I think part of him feels very insecure about the whole thing. But he also wants to mm. give his opinion, but he doesn't want to step on her toes. But, he, you know, like, it's, it's so much conflict within him. So, yeah. Um, and we're going to see that next episode again. But I think he's also a little bit unsure because he's at the stage where he wants to buy a house for them. And she's talking yes. about like traveling and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so he obviously doesn't want her to do that. Like he wants her to stay there with him, but he doesn't want to hold her back kind of thing. Like it's, it's too much for him. I think at this point. And, uh, and another thing that could have been the A plot of a whole other episode. Yes, I agree. Yes. Like, what are you doing? Like, that's the problem is that, I don't know if they're if they're setting up for I don't know spoilies if they're setting up for the uh you know the season finale where she proposes to him like it was all like all the you know Luke and Lorelai as the supporting story in each episode is leading up to that final moment of <gasps> but it's not it doesn't it doesn't work it's because yeah, Luke and Lorelai deserve Luke and Lorelai deserve their own to be the the focus of the own of their own episodes. Well, I think but... that's the issue that I have with season the endings the ending of season five, like the last episodes felt very, very rushed to me. Mm-hmm. And partly because of episodes like this, where they try to jam everything in there, but also because there are so many instances where I wanted more 
like yeah. like this for example this could have been a whole conversation this could have been a whole plot like and then you yeah. just make it one little conversation okay they have the other conversation next episode but it's not the same you know there's just so much left yeah. unsaid and yet so much going on that i'm so confused so <laughs> anyways but yeah it was nice to see richard uh proud of lorelei and her actually liking the praise um but it also comes back to the the episode no the scene at the end of the episode where we find out that Lorelai has actually taken the meeting with him and the man and he's called her a couple of times and like mm. there's all these possibilities now for Lorelai she can sell the inn she can consult she can travel she can she can do whatever she wants basically you know um yeah. and I think that's a really great problem to have by the way like that means you're a success <laughs> um yeah but Suki also reminds her like like I can't do that but you can do that you know um, your kids mm-hmm. in college and I think that's really unsettling also for her because she's like well yeah your kids in college but what about Luke yeah and it's not like it, like I'm, that's a complete misconception to me of like oh your kids in college you can do whatever you want and obviously again this is fictional but I think she meant me, like you're not tied to one place kind of thing you know but like yeah I got I got what you mean yeah okay we'll go with that um to me it's just it's it's frustrating to suggest that like just because your kids in co- like your kids in college she's not fully grown yet you know what I mean no but I mean she needs you less than Suki's kids like she doesn't have to wake up every yeah. morning and put her kids on the bus and drive them to school and daycare you know what I mean like she doesn't yeah, yeah, she doesn't need her life to have routine in order to not fuck up her daughter's life, you know? Like, yeah, let's okay. be honest, if she took off to the south of France for a month, like, Rory wouldn't notice. No. You know what I mean? So it's 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 a different dynamic. Um, But in my head, I was upset because I was like, you know, you can take off because your kid's in college, but I'm like, but she also still has a relationship, you know, to think of. Yeah. So I was like, Okay, yeah, maybe it's less complicated for her than it is for you, but it's still there's still things that she needs to think about. Mm-hmm. And I think what's really um you know, hard for Lorelai in these episodes is that I think she wants the possibilities of like traveling and doing her own thing. Mm-hmm. And it's not really that she's being held back. I don't think she sees it like that, but she's definitely like factoring Luke in, right? Yeah. And then obviously that all goes to shit because Rory does what Rory does. That's another thing. They just like let go of the storyline altogether. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty like, much. Yeah. You want to travel? Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. That's, that to me, I don't know. Like now we talk about it and especially at the, the, you know, the end of the dinner scene where it's just Lorelai and her parents and um, Richard kind of compares Roy making a contact with Mitchum to Lorelai making a contact with uh, Mike Armstrong. Mm-hmm. And so I have to wonder if like that was the purpose of sprinkling that into this episode and then we don't ever hear about it again. You know, like, if it's, you know, kind of the two, like the, the two Gilmore girls making connections that they wouldn't have otherwise made if not for the elite you know i don't know but even then that's that's no it's not and i think it's if and i'm thinking like if that if that was the intention of the writers that's a very weak thread so it's not it's still not good um i don't know i think 
I mean, like you said, if it were, you know, if it were real life, both of us, I know for a fact, we would take the opportunity to make something of it regardless of, of who's, of who's offering it up, unless it's like someone you absolutely hate and you're going to regret it because of the, the, the connection through that person. But I don't know. I think, I think Lorelai has worked hard her whole life, especially having a daughter so young that she deserves, she deserves at least the, the chance of, of, you know, making it big in the, in the hotel industry and traveling or whatever. So I think that's what part of her gravitates towards that. You know, if that was an opportunity that was actually on the table, I wouldn't blame her for considering it. Yeah. Yeah. Part of me is kind of sad that she never did it. Yeah. And like, now we talk about it, it's like, they should have, they could have explored that further, but they were too busy with Luke and Lorelai and Rory being a little shit and whatever. So also, I think it would have been a really good plot point for a year in the life. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Why didn't we, why were we not writers on this show? Because I was, damn it. Because I was in elementary school and you were wherever. So <laughs> I was still here. Calm down. <laughs> yeah, but I was, I didn't want to finish that sentence because then I'd be accused of pointing out that you're older than me. So I am older than you and you love to point it out. <laughs> but I was just saying in 2005, I was in grade one, grade two. So I would not have been eligible to be a writer on Gilmore Girls, unfortunately. Mm. So should we, talk about laws. <laughs> should we talk about uh, this dinner? Yeah, let's talk about before the dinner, though, when Lorelai finds out that um, the Gilmores have invited Logan over and she really wants to go to the dinner. Okay, yes. That was a note that I put down and I wrote that Lorelai shouldn't have just shouldn't have gone to this dinner. And I think it has to do with, you know, obviously I'm not gonna I'm not gonna defend how Richard and Emily treat their own daughter at this at dinner, because that's just deplorable, especially Emily. Um, but Richard by association. First of all, like we know Lorelai has met Logan, and it's more so that Emily's when Emily has a dinner, it's an event, and oh Logan going over there for dinner is um, Richard and Emily's basically a mating call, so it's like it's it's it's, it's a big deal. It's an official it's an official thing. So Lorelai doesn't want to feel left out of that. So she gets. I find it's less that she wants to just be involved with her daughter, and it's more like a personal insecurity of hers, where it's like, well, I didn't have that. Meaning, you know, she got pregnant and ran away from home, so she didn't she didn't have the opportunity to have dinner with her parents and some upscale man who they approve of so it's almost like part of her wants to piggyback off of that a little bit i believe and another part of her just like wants to be there because like oh well she's my kid you you don't get to like parade her around as if she's yours kind of thing yeah so i think there's a couple things going on here i think number one like you said she just wants to go because it's her kid and like she's been hearing about logan and she i mean she even says that they don't i get dibs right (laughs) Uh, like I'm your mother, I get dibs. Yeah. Um, so I think part of her is just feeling mm-hmm. left out and like um entitled, I guess, to have first dinner, I guess, with the boyfriend. Um yeah, that's yeah. how I'll put it, I guess. But then the other thing I think that's happening is that I think she's also really scared that Rory is being pulled into this world. And yeah. With- out her there to kind of run interference 
she's scared that she's gonna lose her if that makes sense so yeah like, for sure like she sees the writing on the wall or like yeah she, at least she thinks of, she does yeah exactly I, it's kind of like remember in season one where she goes golfing with richard yeah exactly emily, yeah and then emily's like we're gonna get her a membership and you know she can go whenever she wants and blah 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 and she gets jealous of her parents you know um yeah. so now i think like she's thinking she's dating this guy that's part of my parents world you know she's been having friday night dinners alone with my parents who knows what they've been telling her you know i think she's really just feeling uh left out in her own daughter's life and listen yeah. it's not hard to see that she doesn't approve mm-hmm. no matter what she says like oh if you like him i like him no sorry like everyone can see that's bullshit um you know you can even see it when she tells her about the internship she's like oh Oh, logan's dad got you an internship oh like she's not on board um so yeah i think she just wants to be there because she's like my daughter is getting too comfortable in the emily gilmore world yeah so i think yeah i think part of it is yeah i want to be there to meet her boyfriend another part is i need to be there to pull her back yeah like i definitely like what you said about lorelei wanting to run interference and she feels like she's like her daughter's kind of being overtaken by the world that she ran away from but i do also find it interesting that you like when you mentioned season one and the whole jealousy aspect of um like it was like she was obviously jealous of her parents and this new connection they had to her daughter but she was also jealous of rory for like kind of so easily fitting into that slot that Emily and Richard had made for her. Yeah. And I feel like a kind I feel like a similar version is happening here. And I feel like it has to do with Lorelai's own insecurities, which is why I mentioned that because it had like to be I think to be jealous of your own daughter is a bit <laughs> is a bit uh, Freudian, shall we say. So um to me it feels like Lorelai wants Lorelai wants what Lorelai wants, obviously, but at the same time she also has this vision in her head of how she envisions her daughter growing up. And when her parents like kind of barge their way into that vision, it like triggers a flight or like a flight or fight instinct in Lorelai. And that's what kicks in. And like the whole jet, like where the jealousy fits into that is also really fucked in my opinion. So um, I would love the Gilmores to go to family therapy, please. Yeah. Um, I don't. I think Lorelai being jealous of her daughter is kind of on brand, because oh yeah, for sure. so many times, like she's still a child herself in a lot of different ways. So, mm-hmm. you know, I know it was her choice not to go to Friday night dinner, um, but I think maybe she's still feeling a little weird that. Rory's going every week and she's not, you know. Um, yeah. Rory's always gotten along better with the grandparents. And I think what they were trying to do with this episode and giving us the Mike Armstrong storyline is like Rory's had all these experiences that Lorelai never got to have. Mm-hmm. And here's an opportunity to get some of that back, you know, yes. being able to travel and being independent and doing what you know, being your own boss lady, you know? Um, So I think that's what they were trying to accomplish. It didn't really come off that way, but anyways, it's just, it's, 
it because it was a mess. But um, no, a mess. At least in my opinion, that's what they were trying to do with that whole storyline. Um, but yeah, I think her going to the dinner was more about wanting to be there to meet her, her daughter's boyfriend that she already doesn't really like. <laughs> Um, oh, it's insane to me that she's still holding a grudge because she found them making out at her parents' wedding. Yeah, I think like that's... she brings it up again. She's like, "At your wedding, they were kissing." <laughs> yeah, no, that's a, I think that that's a, no, that's a mask for like her her not liking him and his family and the world he comes from. I don't like. We both know that doesn't give a shit that she walked in on them making out. You know, Seriously. so. But, like, um, it's just so funny to me that she'll throw that out there as if it's going to make a difference. Um, yeah. And I think, to me, like, when I say Lorelai shouldn't have gone to this dinner, it's like, you, it's almost like she she set herself up for it. Like, it's like Charlie Brown and Lucy in the football a little bit, which is essentially her entire relationship with her mother. But, yeah. like you like you you know she wanted to be there to run interference like you said and to you know see just how far the Gilmores were trying to pull her into that world of a of elitist snobs and let's like I say she shouldn't have gone because by the end of the night when it's just the three of them left at the dining table the dining room table like she had no she like obviously she exploded with all of these thoughts and it's like to me, you, I wouldn't have even bothered saying half of those things because I knew that it would fall on deaf ears, you know? So to me, in real life, I'm thinking, like, I would not have set myself... I would not have put myself in that situation. Like, I know who my parents are. I know they're pieces of shit sometimes. And I wouldn't have... I wouldn't have, you know, let my, let, let myself fall for that almost. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean... I don't think... I don't know what she was trying to accomplish when at the end of the dinner when she lingered and she was like well this and this happened and his parents treated her terribly and like you guys think they're saints i don't know what she was like she like you said she knows who her parents are they weren't obviously not gonna listen right mm-hmm. um they've already made up their minds like in their heads they're lorelei no in their heads rory and logan are like married with kids in cape cod like they're the perfect couple like nothing's going to change their mind at this point so what were you expecting i would have left you're right i wouldn't have i would have been like okay bye thanks for the dinner ciao but i think that's also um very weird like that's also the way she her jealousy comes out and her disapproval comes out a little bit right because during the dinner emily says something and lorelei goes oh nice dig at luke you know (laughs) and i think like the petty teenager in Lorelai is still like, well, how come you like her boyfriend so much and you don't like mine? No, exactly. Because at the end of the day, you do want your parents to approve of your partner, right? Um, yeah. Even even in Lorelai's case, where she's like, I don't give a fuck, I'm gonna cut them out of my life, whatever. It's like human nature. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I think she sees them like planning this wedding for her 20 year old daughter, and she's like, these fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean. There are definitely moments in this episode where I think she's a little petty. Yeah. But I think there are also moments where I congratulate her for not stabbing her mother in the face. Oh, for sure. Because I would have been out of there so fast. Yeah. 
Like, I would have been like, sorry, kid, you're on your own with this guy. Yeah. Oh, I could have sworn you were a sidecar girl. No, you you, you know what my drink is, you little yeah, exactly. bitch. Also, do you know what's in a sidecar? I don't. So I was like, what is this thing with the sidecar? Because in my head, I was like, oh, is it like a cheap drink? So she's trying to like embarrass her even more, you know? Yeah. And so I looked it up. I'm like, how bad could it be? Um, It doesn't sound great. It does sound like a cheap drink that you would get like to want to sound fancy, but it's not really fancy. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's cognac, orange liqueur, and lemon juice. Yuck. Yeah, that sounds disgusting. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> it sounds like someone like it sounds like something someone would order to say that they want a cocktail, like walk up to the bar and be like, can I get a sidecar? But everyone's judging you kind of thing, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think like she was trying to embarrass her, obviously, with that. And then she put an onion in her goddamn drink. Who puts an, I'm sorry, who puts an onion in a martini? Yeah, well, I don't know. It's just, it's whatever. Um, the whole thing was really shitty of her parents. <laughs> really was. And like, you must excuse Lorelai. She's not used to having conversations about lapels. Or whatever the fuck she says. Yeah, uh, you're so right. If it were me, I'd be like, you know what, Rory, you're on your own. See ya, I'm out of here. Like, yeah, we'll do something. Or, well, which honestly makes more sense. Like, we'll do something with him ourselves. Mm-hmm. Why would you want to encroach on the dinner? You know it's going to be hell. Like you said, you know who your parents are. Anyways, whatever. It's just insane to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can we talk about the stunt that Laura- Logan pulled? Ugh. If we must. <laughs> if we must. You don't want to talk about it? Oh, no, please. I want to hear your thoughts. I mean, I think it was stupid. It was. Um, I think it was the stupidest thing. I think the fact that Rory didn't say anything either was also dumb. And again, like, nothing that I've seen in this episode about Rory is the Rory that I know. Yeah. So, again, I'm just a little bit peeved at that. But I love how Emily noticed, like, right away immediately immediately and that does not surprise me at all because in don't you dare try moving one item to the left in emily gilmore's house this is is the woman who needs what the 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 candlesticks six inches apart or whatever so also this episode i think was done purposely that she was extra mean to the maid yes like even before the guests arrive and she's like you're insane (laughs) she wants lilies like what the fuck i know it was, it was like, she was really written viciously in this episode. Yeah. And especially considering like Lorelai saves Logan's ass in that yeah. moment because Emily would not have let that go. Not and at I think, all. Like, unless Logan would have been like, oh, here it is on the floor. Oh, look, I found it. Like, I don't think, I think Logan was, was just going to keep his head down and not say anything. So, yeah, I don't know. But he, clearly, that's an indication of how well he does, and of you know how well he doesn't know Richard and Emily, because not all rich people are the same in the, with their knickknacks, evidently. Yeah, I know, but not <laughs> Emily Gilmore. No, I do have to say though, my favorite line of Lorelai's rant to the end of the dinner is, "What twenty-two-year-old has an early day on a Saturday?" Like, <laughs> of course, you fell for that. Like, oh, we have to get going and have an early day tomorrow. Oh, we're sorry, we've kept you this long. Get their coats, like. Seriously? We're going to have sex, guys. <laughs> oh, what a fine parking job. Fuck off. Like, yeah, seriously, that was so weird. Also, Emily, since when do you like sports cars? 
You don't. You are just like putty in his hands. And I have to yeah. ask you actually. So I was thinking about this as I was watching. Um, you like you know you've mentioned I think on the podcast and obviously, um, before to me about you know being Greek and how you know just because you're a woman you have a vagina you're less than the men in your family mm -hmm. kind of thing and that's just the the mental the the ethnic mentality unfortunately like I have to wonder in your like in your experience in your worldview like the way that Richard and Emily like trip over themselves to impress Logan like does is that kind of is that kind of what it's like like you know with like your grandmothers and and even with your mother maybe like trying to you know just trip over themselves to serve the men before the women or just make sure the men are satisfied like I have to wonder what is that like <laughs> um I think it's two different things because I think in this in this instance with Emily and Richard it's mm -hmm. more about impressing someone that they think is important okay and yeah keeping up with appearances like the whole freak out about it having been a whole week that she had dinner at their house and like we have to send an apology no you know like shit like that um mm -hmm. that is not so much a thing for us um mm -hmm. yeah it's in our house yeah men rule the world yeah um actually you know what i've implemented at my house now even though it hasn't been sticking so far so <laughs> growing up but you know we'll we'll get there Growing up, I remember very vividly going to like events or, you know, going to someone's house. Like my aunt would have Christmas and we'd go over. And I remember after dinner, um, the women would all get up and start cleaning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the sure. men would like congregate in the living room. And I'm like, I fucking hate that because my aunt would, like, let's say it's my aunt or even my mom, you know, would spend all day cooking, cleaning, whatever. And then the minute everything's done, would have to get up and clean yeah. inevitably and like never really get to enjoy themselves. Right. So oh. what I started saying in my house now when people come over is like whenever I see like my grandmother and my mom getting up to start cleaning because it's so ingrained in them. I'm like, no, we're going <laughs> to sit down. We're going to enjoy ourselves and I will do the cleaning later on or tomorrow. Like, fuck it. It's not the end of the world. Um, yeah. Because you never see men instinctively being like, oh, time to clean because the food's done. You know, <laughs> like even this weekend I had, we were talking about this before. I had my my dad's side of the family over and love them, of course. But as soon as everyone was done eating, my mom started gathering plates while my brother and my uncle and whatever just sat there because they never had to gather plates when they were younger. Mm -hmm. And I was like, mom, you're going to give me the plates and you're going to go sit down and fuck it, you know? <laughs> That was just something that came to my mind. But um, yeah, I think it's two different scenarios. Mm -hmm. It's funny um, you mentioned that because I've always, like, I've always thought when, ever since you've lived alone and you've mentioned, you know, um, how you, 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 you dread having to wash the pots that are in the sink from the, the night before, like you're leaving it to soak because you don't feel like doing it right now. Um, like that, now that makes sense to me because, you know, for so long, growing up obviously all the women around you like instinctively like had to clean up immediately and clean up like you know make everything, make everything spotless whereas now you're like you know what no it doesn't have to be done that way get off my back and I I respect that <laughs> listen it's Wednesday today they came over on Sunday mm -hmm. I still have some shit lying around yeah I don't doubt it <laughs> it's my fucking house leave me alone 
Yep. Anyways, yeah. I think for Emily and Richard, it's more about them um, wanting to be like good hosts, good members of society. Yeah. Um, But I do think there's a little bit of misogyny in it as well. Because I think they're trying to, I don't know if marry off is the right term, but let's say it is. (laughs) They're trying to like find her the right mate kind of thing, you know? Oh, yeah. When they see Logan and he's coming from good breeding, as we, as they said last episode, you know, like, I think that they see her with Logan and they love that for her. You know, they think she's made the right choice. Yeah, so it's like it's not so much trying to like marry her off as it is just extensively reinforcing the relationship. You know, like they're they're trying to meddle without meddling, and it's just meddling. (laughs) Yeah. So I think think... I think they're they're seeing like, oh, this happened organically. We can't even say that it was us, but now that it's happened, like we can't let it go. Yeah, and I also think like them pushing. Like she, Lorelai's right. They're kids. She's twenty years old, and you're talking about them getting married on Cape Cod. Like that's definitely a high society thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, which is also really weird to me because Richard and Emily have always prided themselves on having a granddaughter who like hustles. Mm-hmm. You know, but that then they're like old school mentality kicks in, and they're like, "Oh, she's gonna marry a man of well of like good breeding," and you're mm-hmm. just like, "Again, pick a struggle." <laughs> yeah. There's, it's too much, especially if we're going to talk about the end of the episode where suddenly, like you said, Suki appears and Lorelai is talking about talking to her about the meeting with Mike Armstrong and this and that. And I just find that it's, I don't know, I'd like, obviously would like to hear your opinion, but I find it like a, just a choppy ending of the episode. I guess it's apropos, but like to me, I guess it would have been maybe a better end if after you know trying to you know <laughs> explain her worries to her parents about logan and rory like Lorelai just kind of comes home to an empty house looks around feel like you know feels sad t- turns on the tv by herself almost like to symbolize like you know i used to do this with my daughter now she's not here and she's out starting her life with someone who i don't approve of and like I don't know to me that would have been a better ending than all of a sudden she's at Suki's house and they're talking and oh Laura I gave this off camera and then executive producer Amy Shrimpaladino the end I don't know to me yeah I think uh, now that you say it I think that would have been a really good ending because it would have tied together the fact that you know everything we said of her feeling jealous and left out Mm -hmm. and like um illustrated the fact that you know Richard and Emily are happy don't believe her Rory's off with her boyfriend without her and she's just like alone in her world and not doing much you know yeah yeah I think that would have been a better ending yeah the ending was very weird bizarre to me especially because as we know like the the whole Mike Armstrong thing doesn't go anywhere Um, you know benefit of the doubt maybe the writers were thinking it might and then they just dropped it after the fact I highly doubt it but I don't know. It was just maybe it was just an excuse to have Melissa McCarthy make one like make an appearance per her contract or something. I don't know, but yeah. it was still a it was still a a really random and choppy ending to the episode to an overall I mean, choppy episode itself. So yeah, I think maybe they were just thinking we're gonna. I think that was them wrapping up the Mike Armstrong thing. Honestly, yeah, probably. 
yeah i think they were just like let her think about it for an episode let her have this really weird dinner where she feels left out and <laughs> you know fuck it yeah i'd like to talk to the epi- to the people who wrote this episode actually like yeah, <laughs> yeah well it was amy sherman pelled you know so oh okay well amy knows how we feel about her <laughs> yeah in our dreams at least <laughs> exactly but yeah it was it was there's too much going on in this fucking episode well, on that note, anything else you have to say about it? Not really. <laughs> no, I think we've covered uh, all of my list of concerns about Rory being a, quote, fucking baby bird. So we'll leave that. I love that shit. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll leave that where it is. Where can they find us? Um, they can follow us on tweeters at Gilmore Podcast, um, on Instagram and threads at Gilmore Girls Podcast. Um, you can email us gilmorepodcast at gmail.com and if you like you can subscribe to our email newsletter that comes out with every new podcast episode where you'll get a rundown of what we're reading watching listening to at the moment some gilmore trivia maybe a couple of hot topics if we have the time you can subscribe to this newsletter called lunch at luke's at gilmoregirlspodcast.substack.com. That is gilmoregirlspodcast.substack.com. That was great. (laughs) We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening.